You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Paragold, a church committed to making the real Jesus known to every man, woman, and child. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagold.com. Luke 11 is where we are. I'm going to read, uh, starting in verse 1, and I'll read down to verse 13. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says, Now when Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say this. And if you were not with us last week, you can go listen to our sermon. We preached on the Lord's Prayer last week. Jesus says, Before you get anything else, you have to get this. Father. Before you ever focus on the how to pray, you have to understand who you're praying to. And Jesus says, we are praying to God as our Father. Jesus says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus said to them, hey, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise up and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you... If a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let's pray together one more time before we dive into this. Father, we need you right now through the power of your Spirit just to help us center on your presence. And so um, we're coming in here in different ways today. There's a lot on our mind, there's distractions, there's sickness, there's debt, there's relational strife, there's all sorts of baggage, there's heaviness, there's weariness, and we just need you right now, Holy Spirit, to cut through all of that, uh, to take these words and to make them alive in our hearts. And it's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. Hey, I want to see a show of hands, be honest. How many of you parents with young kids from time to time will let your kids hop in bed with you? Raise your hands. Okay, all right. I'm glad I'm not alone. Whenever Megan and I first got married, before we had kids, one of the things I promised we would never do is let our kids get in bed with us. Never. And uh, like many other things, I've realized now that we've had kids that I have to eat my words and all the things that I said I will never do as a parent, right? And so, um, yeah, we let our kids get in bed with us. And mainly the reason I do this is because what I found out is after we had kids is that I'm actually a snuggler, believe it or not, right? I like to cuddle with my children. Now, Megan, on the other hand, not to throw my wife under the bus, when she gets sleepy, she gets really cranky, okay? And so when she's sleepy, she's like, don't talk to me, don't touch me, don't breathe my air. You know, I'm like, I thought it was our air, you know, but I mean, she gets grumpy. Like you try to talk to her when she's sleeping. It's like, like, I mean, like seriously, she makes those noises sometimes. And so, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Glad I'm not alone. All right. And so my kids know if they want to get in bed with us, like they do not go to mom's side of the bed. They come over to dad's side of the bed every single time that they try this. And, uh, 
Parents, you probably know this feeling if you have young kids. Have you ever just like been laying in bed and all of a sudden you're like, I feel like I'm being watched. Have <laughs> you ever had that feeling and all of a sudden you open your eyes and there's your little psycho kid just like staring at you? <laughs> right? And you're like, oh, like how long have you been here? You know, it's like, what do you want? And, uh, and of course, like, dad, I had a bad dream. You know, like some penguins were trying to kill me or something bizarre like that. And it's like... All right, and so like you, you you know you get them and we you know we just got kind of tuck them in. I mean, bam, we're off for the night, right? But I want you to just consider this: What if tonight you try to do the same thing to me? Imagine tonight if you just showed up at my house unannounced in the middle of the night and you wanted to get in bed with me. Like, you think that's going to happen? No. In fact, if you show up unannounced in my house in the middle of the night, like, and I don't know you're coming, like, you're probably going to get shot, right? And so you're going to die. I'm going to end up starting a a prison ministry, right? And so it's not going to go well for either one of us. What I want you to think about this morning is what's the difference? Why is it that you can't come into my room and ask whatever you want whenever you want, but for my kids, they absolutely can? Well, the difference is obviously that they are my kids, And because my kids know that as their father that I love them, they know that they can come up to me anytime with any request. And you see, the reason I share that is that is exactly the point that Jesus is going to drive home over and over and over again when it comes to our relationship with God. And he starts and he says in verses 5 through 8, we're not going to read it again, but he says, you know, imagine this scene. Imagine you have a man, and we'll call this man Keith, right? And Keith is hanging out in, in his house, and him and his kids are sleeping, and all of a sudden his neighbor Gary comes over, all right? And Gary comes, and he's like, hey, Keith, you in there? I know you're in there, Keith. And Keith's like, dude, it's midnight. Like, what do you want? He's like, man, you know, Keith, like, I have someone coming over, and, and they're hungry, man, and, and, and they want bread. I don't have any bread, so I just need some bread. And Keith looks at Gary, and Jesus says, of course, Keith's like, dude, dude Gary, it's midnight. Like, like, my kids are in bed with me. And I don't know, maybe like Keith's a snuggler too. I don't know what's going on, but all of his kids are in bed with him. That's what he says in the text here. And he says, therefore, like, dude, I'm not going to get up. If I try to make you bread, I'm going to wake my kids up. I got to be up at 5 a.m. I got to get them on the bus or get them to school. I got a big day ahead of me. So go away, Gary. But what does Gary do? According to Jesus, he don't go away. He just keeps on pounding on the door. He says, Keith, I know you're in there. Come on up, man. Get, get me some bread. Come on, come on. And what does Jesus say would happen? He says, eventually, Keith will get up and he will give Gary whatever he wants. And not necessarily because they're friends, but simply because of Gary's persistence. And here's Jesus' point right out of here in verse 5 and 8. The point Jesus is trying to make is this. Listen, he says, if a rude and inconsiderate man can get his grumpy neighbor up at all hours of night and get his grumpy neighbor to answer his prayers, so to speak, then how much more can you get your loving, generous, selfless father who has good intentions for you to answer your prayers? This is what Jesus is getting at, and he's just going to just drive this home for us over and over again. He says in verse 9, if you look back with me, he says, Because this is true, I tell you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Jesus says, Because God is a good Father who loves to give good gifts to his children, He actually loves when his kids come and ask him for things. He says, because God is your father, he loves to hear from you. He loves for his children to come into him and say, Dad, I need this from you. Dad, will you do this for me? Dad, Dad, he wants us to come and ask him for things. You know, I started thinking about that this past week. My wife and I on Monday, um, 
We were, we're already in the Christmas spirit in our house, and so uh, Monday I come home from, from work, and, and, and I've got uh, you know, the Christmas, plis, uh, Christmas playlist on Spotify playing for us, and we decide we want to take our kids to Lowe's to look at all the Christmas decorations there, you know, cheap entertainment. And so like we all go over to Lowe's, and, and from the moment we walk in the door, my kids just begin to pound us with ask after ask after ask. For example, within a 20-minute window, here's what they asked for, and I wrote this down. Within 20 minutes, they asked for a lawnmower, Okay, my kids do not mow, right? I've got a a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and a uh, eleven-month-old. They asked for a lawnmower, a Christmas tree, an inflatable Grinch, a toolbox, a wall clock, which they cannot tell time, right? A plastic Minnie and Mickey Mouse yard statue, LED Christmas lights, and hot Cheetos. All within twenty minutes. I mean, ask after ask after ask. And listen, if you're parents, you know what this is like. And sometimes our kids asking can drive us crazy. But what's so amazing is according to the scriptures, God loves it when we ask him for things. He welcomes it. Like he says it right here, like, I want you to be like that neighbor. Like, keep coming, keep asking. He welcomes it. It actually warms his heart. And therefore, Jesus' first point is this. Even if you don't think you're that great of a child of God, Even if your motives are not always pure, which by the way, actually our motives are really probably never 100% pure in anything we ask for. Even if they're not always pure because God is loving and gracious and kind, because he loves you, because he owns it all, because he's never sleeping, he's never tired, you can come to him at all times with all requests. And so here's my question this morning before we go any further. What have you not asked God for? What is it? in your life right now that you have not talked to God about. By the way, that's all prayer is. Prayer is just talking to God. What request have you not brought before God? For some of you today, when a bad thing happens, or you've got to make a decision in your life on where I'm going to live, or what job am I going to take, or how are we going to respond to this situation, because you are a fixer, more than you feel like you need God, you think, I need a plan. And so you just start working on that plan, man. And because some of you are sharp with administration and all that, I mean, you just bam, 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 right? I mean, just like whatever I touch turns to gold. I don't need God. I'm just going to like hammer it out. This, you know, that all connects. Some of you, like whenever you need things, rather than asking, you start worrying. And so rather than going into fix-it mode, you go into freak-out mode, right? We're all over the map here on different things. But listen, what Jesus says here is before you do anything else, you need to go to God as your Father and you need to ask Him for help. And then he says, you don't just stop with asking. He says, after there is an asking, in verse 9, he says, there should be a seeking. And the big idea here is, listen, you need to get this today. When it comes to prayer, some of you have probably heard the, the, the phrase before, let go and let God. How many of you have heard that? Let go and let God. So it sounds great, just not theologically correct. And verse 9 actually shows us this. When it comes to prayer, you should never say, well, I prayed about that, and now I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. According to what Jesus says, there is a time where you have to get up and you do have to do something. You have to seek, you have to work, you have to pursue answers to your request. And I'll give you a a few examples of what this looks like. Um, If you're here today and you have health issues, right? Maybe your blood pressure is high, having heart issues, having a hard time breathing, I don't know, chronic back pain. First thing you should do is ask. Second thing maybe you should do is get a gym membership or start walking. Or cut out Mountain Dews and Goo Goo Clusters or whatever your thing is, right? Big Macs. 
Right? Like that's what it looks like to ask and to seek. We cannot just say, I'm going to continue to live however I want, do whatever I want, pray for God to heal me, pray for God to make me feel better, and me just kind of sit back and do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. You've got to ask. You have to seek. Here's another example. If you're here and you're looking for a job, you cannot just say, okay, man, I'm going to pray for a job. God, you know I need a job, so I want this kind of job, this kind of pay, this kind of place. I prayed. Now I'm just going to sit back and play World of Warcraft all day or whatever, right? You have to actually brush up your resume. You have to make phone calls. You have to get out of the house and, and work on your interviewing skills and all of that kind of stuff if you want to land a job. Uh, same is true when it comes to finding a spouse. Some of you in here are single. And by the way, you're blessed if you're single and you live here and you're in this culture. We have a, a raise hand culture during worship. So guys, you can look and see there's a ring on the finger, right? So like that's a benefit to you. And so, right? Like, so... Some of you are single, and singleness, by the way, is not second class. Singleness is a gift from God, the Scripture tells us. But if you want a spouse, that's also a godly desire. And so listen, if you want a spouse, right, you start and you pray. Okay, God, listen, I know you can do all things. If you can walk on water, I know you can give me a spouse. And so, like, I'm asking for a spouse, right? But after you pray, you might actually want to do some things to help you get a spouse, right? You might actually want to clean yourself up a little bit. Right? You, you might want to, if you don't have a job, get a job. You may want to work on your social skills. You may want to actually step out and at some point introduce to somebody else that you think loves Jesus, right? And you're attracted to them and think maybe they would love you and say, hey, my name is this. Would you like to go on a date with me? Right? Like you cannot, the point is, when it comes to seeking, you cannot just sit back and ask God for things and do nothing. There is a time, yes, to sit still in silence, but according to Jesus, there is a time when it comes to prayer where you have to add action to your asking. And that's what Jesus is getting at when he says, ask and seek. But listen, if you're asking and you're seeking and you're still not getting the answers that you want, Jesus says, then you move to knocking. And this is where you become like that neighbor where you say, God, I know you're there. God, I know that you hear me. God, I'm going to continue asking. I'm going to continue knocking. I'm going to continue to come to you with this thing until you answer my request. And if this makes you uncomfortable to think about going to God in this way, I just want to share uh, a story from Exodus 32 quickly. I'll put it on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible. If you do have a Bible, you can hold your spot in Luke 11. Um, this is one of these passages in the Bible that I have trouble with. And let me just say this. If you read the Bible and, and if you don't ever have trouble with parts of the Bible, you're not reading it right. You're probably trying to conform God into your image rather than just, and trying to fit him into your box rather than just saying, okay, this is who he is. He's bigger than I know he is. He's beyond what I could ever comprehend, but I'll worship him as he is, okay? This is one of those texts for me that's just really difficult for me to wrap my mind around. But listen to this. Here's kind of the context. Uh, Israel, who is God's chosen people, have once again blown it. They're supposed to be a light to the nations, but they decided to make a golden calf and worship it over God. We're not that much different, though we don't have physical, maybe idols anymore. We do have tons of idols in our heart that we say, I want to worship the creation over the creator. That's what Israel is doing here. And so God says to the leader of Israel, Moses, I'm going to wipe them all out. I'm done. I've had enough with them. I'm killing them all. I'm moving on. Okay? That's, that's the context. Verse 11, Moses implored the Lord. That means he begins to contend with God. He implored the Lord as God and said, O oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? 
Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out and kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn, look at this from Moses, turn God from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And then look at verse 14. How crazy is this? And the Lord relented from the disaster he had spoken of bringing upon his people. That's a crazy story. I mean, it almost looks like Moses and God are on the same playing field. But yet they're not. God is infinitely greater than Moses, but Moses, right, because he knows that as God's son, he can come to God with anything. He is not passive. He is absolutely persistent. He says, God, I know you said that you want to destroy these people. I'm telling you, you're not going to do this. Don't do this, God. Do not do what you just said that you are going to do. God, I refuse. I'm going to be stubborn. I am not going to take no for an answer. And what this tells us as we look at Moses contending with God is, listen, guys, there is absolutely a time. There is absolutely a time where we are to say, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we just walk away. But then there's also a time where we argue with God. That's what we see right here. There is a time where we say, God, no, absolutely not. This does not seem right. This does not seem to be the way the story should go. I I think about even Luke and Donna with with Andrew, and because he's having hearing issues right now, they've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed for God to heal him, to give their son, uh, you know, to help him hear the way he should be hearing, but yet it's not right right now, at least not happening the way you want to see it happen. And I'm so thankful for Luke and, you know, the pastors here. We pray for all of y'all on Wednesdays. And a couple of weeks ago, Luke just begins to, 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 to cry out to God, like, listen to me. Like, this is not right. And I love that it wasn't a, a, a pretty prayer. It was nothing like, you know, politically correct about it. But he's just arguing with God and saying, this is not the way that it should be. And listen, guys, that's exactly what we see happening with Moses right here. He knows because he's a child of God, he has permission to go to God with whatever is on his heart. He says, God, let's not overreact here. This is not the way I think it needs to go. And what does God do as a response? Verse 14, he relented. Anybody know what that word means? In the Hebrew, it literally means God changed his mind. Now, I've heard pastors a lot try to explain this verse away and say, well, actually, God is the sovereign king of the universe. He's all-knowing, right? He's all-powerful. There's, there's, therefore, there's no way that he actually changed his mind. But the problem is, it says he changed his mind. And I can't wrap my mind around that. God is all-knowing, and he is all-powerful. But the Bible says he changed his mind. And so I think the point that God wants us to see here is that he's a relational God. Or in Jesus' own words, he's a father who responds when his children pray. So here's my next question. Why are some of us giving up so easily when it comes to prayer? Why are some of us giving up so easily when it comes to prayer? Guys, listen, I understand prayer sometimes can be hard, tiresome work. Especially when you're asking for the same thing day after day, week after week, month after month, and it seems like nothing is happening. But according to the scripture, when we ask When we seek, when we keep knocking, God will answer and he will give us what we need. I think about Zach and Janelle Wilson, who were a couple of our missional community leaders in the church. 
Zach and Janelle, for the last three years, have been praying, God, please give us a child. And Janelle and, and you know, Zach, I mean, they're, they're smart. They know the scripture, so they're not just praying. I mean, they were going to doctors to figure out what's going on. The doctors ended up having Janelle do four different procedures in three years in order to try to help her body, to, you know, to help them to be able to conceive. And so she's going to doctors. She's having procedures. She's praying. At one point, even the women of the church came, and they, they prayed over her. They had the elders uh, pray over them and, and all these different things. They're praying. They're asking. They're seeking. They're knocking. And, and they said, you know, but they continue to hear nothing. And so there were times in their life, where they even said by their own admission, they were like, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Like, I'm just done, man. Like, like God, I don't know what's going on with you. But they, but they kept on going. They kept praying. They kept saying, this is what we want. And praise God, Janelle sits here literally today, 11 weeks pregnant, on this very day. Asking, seeking, knocking, not taking no for an answer. And listen, this leads us to a big principle you have to get today. When it comes to prayer, listen, guys, God's delays are not necessary God's denials. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. His refusal to not answer your prayer right now does not mean never. It just means not now. Therefore, Jesus says, because God is your dad, keep asking, keep pursuing, keep knocking, and know that when you do, because God is a good father, he will always, listen, give you the right gifts at the right time. That is why Jesus goes on in verse 11, and he says, What father among you? If a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now, this is like a really weird Tim Burton type parable, isn't it? I mean, a son comes up to his dad and says, Hey, dad, can I have a fish? And the dad says, No, but how about a plate of, you know, scorpion, son? Right? It's really weird. Like, Dad, hey, can, can, I, have a, can I have an egg? No, but here's a serpent, kid. Right? I mean... So really weird, like, Dad, like, you're off your meds again? Like, what's going on? You're freaking me out? Like, this really is like something out of a Tim Burton film. It's a really weird parable, but here's what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, look, if you go to your dad as even an earthly father, if you even go to your earthly father with a simple request, even if he's not like a perfect father, and you just say, I have a simple request, I want a fish, right? He's not going to give you a serpent. Even if you go to your earthly father who's not perfect, if you ask him for a good thing, he's not going to give you a bad thing. And Jesus is saying, look, the same is true when it comes to your heavenly father. Please hear me today, guys. Some of you, and we're going to talk about this in two weeks. We're going to talk, I'm going to preach a whole sermon on the unanswered prayer. Some of you feel like, man, not only has God not answered me, when I asked for a good thing, when I asked for a fish, he did give me scorpions. When I asked for an egg, he did give me a serpent. Some of us, we do feel that way, right? But according to the scripture, when you ask for something good, God never gives something bad. And when you ask, here's what's awesome about our God. And even when you ask for something bad, because you don't know oftentimes what you need. Even when you ask for something bad, God still, because he's so good, will not give you something bad. That's why Tim Keller in his book on prayer says the following. He says, when it comes to prayer, God, I love this quote. If you're sleeping, or there's a person sleeping next to you, wake them up. When it comes to prayer, God will either give us what we ask for, or he will always give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything that he knows. I 
I think about my own children, and you think about your own children, isn't it true that sometimes they ask you for just the most ridiculous stuff on the planet? It's like, dude, if I gave you this, it would kill you. Like, even, like, I think about my own kids every single Sunday night when our missional community comes over and brings, like, 15 cakes, you know, to our house. My kids think they should have, like, a whole cake to themselves, right? They just don't get it. I think about even, a, you know, when they, were, when they were young, like, when they wanted to go get out in the street, and they would come to me and say, Dad, please, let me ride my tricycle. Or they want to be in the street, and I'd pull them back, and go to the street, I'd pull them back. Right, sometimes they would throw a big fit because I would not let them play in the street. Now, let me ask you this. Was I a bad father for not letting my kids play in the street? No, I'm a good father. Because rather than giving them what they think they need in their young, little, you know, ignorant minds, Rather than giving them everything they think they need, I, as a good father, give them what I know they would want if they knew what I knew. And this is what Jesus is getting at here. He says, the truth is, God is a good dad. And if you ask him for good things, he'll always give you good things. If you ask him for a bad thing, he will not give you a bad thing. And just to finish driving this point home, the last verse we'll look at today, verse 13, he says, in light of that then, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them. Parents, not to just totally crush you into the ground today, but you're evil. And I'm evil, according to what Jesus just said. In that, we all, because we're not perfect yet, tend to give in to evil desires. And if you're here and you're like, no, I don't, your evil desire is self-righteousness. Okay? So, some of us are self-righteousness, some of us, it's worry. Some of us, it's a lack of being content. We care more about uh, things of the world. We find my, more joy in the stuff that's going to be in a graveyard or a junkyard 100 years from now than we do in Christ. For some of us, right, we're, we're given over to bitterness rather than forgiveness. We all in here as parents are evil. And just as a side note, I'd like to preach a whole message on this, but just at least make note of this, parents. As a side note, if you want to raise kids who are good moral kids, but they end up settling for religion rather than a relationship with Jesus, always point out their sin, never point out your own sin. Always tell them how big of sinners they are, but never focus on your own sin. Listen, if you want to raise up kids who are going to see their need for Jesus, they need to see you needing Jesus. They need to see you repenting in front of them by acknowledging your own evil and your own need for Christ. That is why even today, Wyatt, Megan and I were in a, uh, I'd call it a discussion. Wyatt said it was a fight this morning before we came here. And so, um, and uh, I had to remind him on the way over here. I said, look, son, daddy's always going to try to be as good of a daddy as I can be to you, but I will never be a perfect daddy. And that's why we both need the perfect daddy, our heavenly father, together. He's the one who will never fail you. He's the one who will never let you down. He's the one who will always be there, even after your father is long and gone. Like, we have to continue to point our kids to the fact that I am not God, I am not perfect, he is, and that's why we both need Jesus together. You need Jesus, daddy needs Jesus, mommy needs Jesus. Jesus said, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, and look at this, how cool is this? How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Now, this is a little interesting. Because we read this, and maybe some of you are thinking, well, Jesus, I didn't ask you for the Holy Spirit. I'm asking for a job. I'm asking for a date. I'm asking for a promotion. 
So why, whenever we go to God and we ask him for things, does Jesus end by saying that he will give you the Holy Spirit? And the whole point that Jesus is making here is this. Because God is so good and because he's so loving and he's so gracious and he's so generous, he will give you the greatest gift that you could ever imagine that you could never earn or deserve. And that greatest gift is giving you himself. And the reason Jesus brings this up is because what he's saying is, therefore, because this is true, because God has gone through great lengths to give you himself by giving you his own son, Jesus Christ. If God has gone through great lengths to already give you the greatest gift that you could ever have, what in the world, church, listen, what in the world makes you think that God's going to try to nickel and dime you to death now? Jesus says, God has already given you the thing that cost him more than anything in the world by giving you his own life. So what in the world makes you think he's going to withhold from you now? This is the question that Paul asked in Romans 8.32 when he says, If he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he now not graciously give us all things? For some of you here today, you do not know God as your father. And it's because you have not received this gift. And if that's where you are today, listen, my hope is that that will change. That before we leave, that you'll stop just going to God to get things from God, but you'll say, man, what I need more than anything is just to get God. And to realize that now he has already offered himself to you. While you were still a sinner, Christ came and died for you. He came and lived a perfect sinless life you could not live. He died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sins, and he rose from the dead. And I pray that today that the Holy Spirit, and I can't do this, And I have to remind myself of this because sometimes at this point of the sermon, I want to start yelling and hollering and thinking, if I can just persuade you enough, then you'll come to know Jesus. I can't do this. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. And I'm praying right now the Holy Spirit will open some of your eyes for the first time and you'll become a Christian today. That you'll receive the gift of salvation that is poured out for you through Jesus Christ. If you're here and you have received this gift, then listen, as soon as you give your life to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. And in Romans 8, and Luke read it earlier, the Holy Spirit, one of his biggest and best jobs is to remind you that God is your Father and to help you feel the love of the Father so that you can then love him, love yourself, and love others in return. And if you have the Holy Spirit today, what I pray that right now, and he is doing this, I pray you're listening, what he is wanting to say over and over as we come to an end this morning is, listen, because God is your Father, Because he has not withheld the greatest gift from you that you could ever receive, you can now, no matter who you are or where you come from, if you've trusted in Christ, you can come to God with a boldness and with an audacity. You can ask, you can seek, and you can knock, and you know, you can know that he will always give you what you need. He will not withhold anything from you. I was thinking about that this past week. You know, my son and I, my son woke up on Wednesday morning. He said, Dad, I'm sick. I can't go to school today. And uh, I said, all right, let's just check your temperature, man. And so it was 98.6 on the dot. And so it's like, get your clothes on, man. You're going to school. And so um, we, we go to school, and we, we take Nora to her classroom. And I can tell, like, why she's acting funny. Not sick, but just, just um, I don't know, just quiet. He's reserved. So we're walking down the hallway. He's in preschool. And all of a sudden, it just kind of comes out, and he says, Dad, there's a kid that's being mean to me. And uh, <laughs> which I'll be honest, immediately I was, like, ticked. Right? Not at him, but at this boy. I don't even know this boy. And I'm like, oh, really, son? Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, like, what's he look like? You know, like, you know, like, what's he, what's his name? You know his name? And I'm trying to play it cool, but I'm like getting fidgety. And uh, 
And he tells me about his name and who he is and all that. And I'm like, all right. So we, we eventually, he's talking about him. We get to the classroom. As soon as we walk in, he goes, Dad, that's the boy. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, okay, son. I was like, well, I'm, I, I'm, go ahead and go to your locker. But I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of like peeking around because I just want to kind of watch for a second, see what's going on. And he goes, and on his way to the locker room, he, or locker room, on the way to his locker to put up his bag, this kid that he had pointed out just sticks his tongue out at him and begins to taunt him. And I just kind of go, like that, you know? And that boy looked over at me, and I just go, <laughs> just like that right there, you know? And uh, which I kind of felt a little bad about, but actually not really after I left. <laughs> I'm like, man, I just taunted a four-year-old, you know? And so it's like, I just, in my mind, it's like, I just want to pick him up and put him on that hook that my son was putting his bag on. Like, you stay there, you know? And so, um, but I called my wife after, and I was like, man, we got to get a plan together. We got to think, I'm going to go talk to the teacher. I'm going to talk to the principal. I'm going to go home. I'm going to talk to his dad. I'm going to make sure this kid does not do anything, you know? And like, Megan's trying to kind of calm me down a little bit. But I, I, I'm, and then I'm coming to the office, and I'm talking to Adam about it. I'm like, man, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. It's like, I'm going to try to get a plan in place. And here's what's so interesting. I'm supposed to be focusing on preaching a sermon about how much the Father loves you. But I totally put that aside because of the love I have for my own kid. Because this Father loves my kid so much. I mean, there was nothing else I could think about than to give him what was good. And God said, man, that's not even close to the kind of love that I have for you. Not even close. Close. 